Hello everybody and welcome to the Follower Podcast. You know that we're in a series called The Making Of and today on the show we've got an amazing guest. Uh, my friend with me, his name is Kashif Masih. Yeah. Um, I met Kashif recently, I was in Abu Dhabi and um, we were doing a bunch of work which we'll hear about now. And again, as always, I, I just met this man, I heard about his life, I heard about his story with Jesus and I just thought this is an incredible person to to meet and to share his story with you. So we'll get into it today and I just really hope that everything you hear is gonna be helpful for you in considering what you think it means to follow Jesus in the world today. So Kashif, welcome to the show. Thank you, um, it's my pleasure. You're living here in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, I have been living here for a long time. Yeah. Yes, how long have you been living here? 11 years. Really, yeah. 11 years? Yeah. Wow, but you didn't always live here? No, I come from uh, Pakistan. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. What's your original language in Pakistan? Uh, we actually, my mother tongue is a Punjabi, okay. but uh, official language we study in school is Urdu. Urdu. Yeah. So, how would you say uh, how would you say hello follower podcast in Urdu? Uh, Slam sabko. Slam sabko. That, yeah. So <laughs> English always so many words. Hello follower podcast. <laughs> Slam sabko. That's powerful. <laughs> okay, so you grew up in Pakistan. Tell us a bit about your family. So my family is not really, I would say, believer. It's uh, like pagan, like just just once a year they go to the church because yeah. they want to gather and these kind of the families okay. where I grew up. Like even some of the people, they was addicted with the drugs and the alcohol. And uh, so it's not really, I can find uh, the Christian home. And also... <clears throat> my dad was really bad drinker when as I grew up. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was like really, uh, when he drink, he sometimes get really angry and mad with the kids. And sometimes he beat other kids and like other my siblings. But he did to me as well. And uh, that really bring bitter in my heart as a, as a grew up, growing up. Mm-hmm. And in my family, only the believer was who believe in Jesus was my mother. Mm-hmm. So she still, she's still alive and she's still believing God. Mm-hmm. And it's really incredible, you know, journey to see that uh, it was not fun that time because uh, I didn't know Jesus well, and it was always challenge to see how people treat us. It's a very different. People view us because we are Christian and they view us like really different. So in your community, people didn't accept Christianity? Uh, yeah, there is a challenge. There is like a difficulty even, like not all of them, I would say some of them really nice people, but most of them are really like, mm, they just want to convert or they want one Christian to come in their religion. Mm-hmm. And many times I got an invitation as growing up, oh, you should accept the majority of the religions that countries. Mm. So it was always really challenged to see that. Wow. And also we deal with the racism. We couldn't drink the water in the same cup. And uh, as, to, uh, as the other. So what is the dominant religion in Pakistan? Islam. Islam. Okay. Yeah. So there you couldn't drink water from the same cup yeah. as Muslim people. Yeah. Wow. Because so it, you were Christian? Yeah. Because of. Uh, well, if you say like a Catholic, they're considered to be Christian. So you just, the, the majority of, like most of the Christian has like their own town. So it's a big city, but they have like a little area where they live. And uh, 
then they kind of live together because that they can help each other and pray for each other and, yeah. and that's why we live in one place and um, it's a, it's a very difficult when you go and most of the area like in in eastern pakistan where i grew up people do not have any association like the majority of the religion do not have the any association to eating or drinking with the with the with the christian really yeah, yeah. wow so that's really so, so what did that do to you as a young boy growing up uh, well, how did that make you feel how did that make you think uh, growing up it's a like sometimes we grew up as a like okay we will adjust ourselves because the biggest religion is those people at if we well study or if we grew up and we have like business and still sometimes we struggle because of uh, where we come from and what our faith is growing up in a village it's a very different life we yeah. are very strong people like we we growing up like i think people who watching this uh, and uh, listening uh, i don't think so if you go back to even 15 years or 20 years nobody work like 8 years like nobody works child labor yeah so this is what we done growing up to do the child labor because uh, we wow. have agriculture so we work in the farm and uh, reason we want to do is that we can support family mm. and that was like a season work we do but uh, it was always really challenged to to see that they as grew up like really strong like really tough people mm. and they teach you to be a tough person to survive yeah. because uh, obviously you guys you were quite poor as yeah, a family yeah. so you had no option but to work yeah so we also like uh, we always uh, like growing up i my dad has business like a wood business but our family is considered to be little like a wealthy than the other christian families okay. because my dad has work but then uh, once uh, his business gone then uh, we was kind of you know mm-hmm. the, in the same situation we deal with the persecution as well my we had a one time when i was i think 12 we had uh, the persecution with the <clears throat> with like group of people attacked in our home and uh, my brother stayed in prison for for almost three years and uh, it was very torture for him to stay staying there people do the torture like even police do the torture to him and uh, he survived but the sad part is like he he's not believing jesus mm. so that's very difficult because he I love him so much. I want him to enjoy the relationship with God. But uh, he became a drug addicted because of the hatred he have because of the pain and suffering he been through. He's just kind of become numb and uh, so that was really really hard. I have a uh, <clears throat> four brothers and two sisters and it's a big family mm. so we grew up together like we have only three rooms we don't have so much stuff we don't have so much material where we grew up we grew up like in a in a very basic things sometimes we had to share like even our clothes with my brothers because uh, we cannot have like on so many clothes and and new clothes actually it was really bitterness and anger grow in my heart And I don't think so is a good idea as a young person is so angry or so bitter. 
against you know something or something's happened to him and uh, i was like uh, working and studying in the big city there in my country and uh, i met a i met a girl and uh, she was a like a strong in the majority of the religion in pakistan she was very strong with with that and uh, she right away we met and she want to marry with me but uh, her attention was that she want to convert me into the biggest religion and uh, she introduced me her father her father was imam they have the gold business in that city they have different shops so they are really like a rich like really wealthy family and uh, i was not practicing jesus i was like i know some of the sunday stories i know some of the scriptures and i go like every once a year in the church and i don't really have a relationship with the with with god <laughs> but the funny thing is i don't have a relationship with him but i was really angry with him yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so and uh, seeing this all persecution and so i was like a 18 year old 19 year old that time and uh, she give me the book that i can read so give me three book and uh, i was like so passionate so i read it all in the next 3 4 month i was day and night i was just reading that searching and reading that and uh, there was like a, i was still like wow this is very great it's very in order but also i was confused about lot of question in in their book and uh, i was ready for that that uh, she told me okay my father will give you the word but something in my heart even reading 3 months or 4 month books and trying to practice and prayer but still uh, i didn't have a peace you know peace is something people talk about is peace peace if my hand is broke it's not going to be in peace mm. because it's break mm. is not normal it's, so that was like my heart was not like normal it was right. like unpeace right. not satisfied and uh, i always told her that i need more time but she was really pushing like i should accept and uh, there was a time that there was a specific day and then they say if you the day is coming and if you do before the day come like eat or fasting they have one month fasting so if you do during the fasting by the way if you die you will go to heaven like this kind of my brain washed mm. and uh, but you must accept that and i told her that and i told her father i will accept but first i have to go and say goodbye to my family so i was in the city i go back to my village i met with my family i shared with my mother and i told my mom uh this is something that i'm going to do and uh, i kind of fed up of being very minority and just mm-hmm. and she was not surprised the first thing that i realized her face was not get like shocked or anything mm-hmm. she was just calm very calm and talked to me and she asked me one questions and that question changed my heart she asked me kashif tell me something 
if you lose something in the world, what would be the biggest loss in your life? I says, if I lose you or if I lose my family, and my mom said, no, that's not the biggest loss in your life. The biggest loss in your life is this, if you deny Christ, and you walk away. Wow. Because somebody is dying for you, and he is a graceful to you, even you didn't know him well. Wow. And somebody is resurrected for you. The first few seconds, I think like, wow, <laughs> this lady, she never went to school. She don't know still how to write a name. She didn't know anything. I'm taking, I'm getting degree, I'm studying. How she can know better than me? Mm. But then the words that she said that break my heart as well at the same time. I don't know why I crying, I start crying. And I say to myself, what? She's your mother, she cannot lie with you. She's, what if she's telling the truth? What, gospel, what, what if gospel is the good news? What Jesus is real die for you. This cannot be a fake story. And uh, I came to my knee, I start crying and I say, God, I believe that you are real. I believe that you die for my sin. I believe that you resurrected for my sin. And I want to have a friendship with you. And if you become my friends, and if you change my heart, I will rock the gospel wherever I go. <laughs> And uh, one of the dangerous prayers you can pray is, God, come and change me, because he changed you instantly. I feel light. I feel like a big weight on my shoulder is just lift up. I feel free. When I remember, I just get like so touched with spirit, like, wow. I get bold. I get afraid of death. I get afraid of persecution. I was no more fear for anything. I was like bold. And I prayed with my mother and I says, you become my witness. I wanna give life to him. It was a great time. I went back to the same girl and the, her father. I didn't meet with, with the girl, I met with the father first. And I says, he says, you are ready? And I says, actually not. Mm. If uh, you really want to know. He was Iman. He knows knowledge. He had like all kind of study. I says, if you really want me to marry with your girl, with your daughter, then she have to accept Jesus Christ. I was so bold and I was sharing like, I remember the Sunday school story. I, I just start reading. I just coming in my mind. Just I was just praying with my mother and the million of pictures that I just see like flushing on my before my eyes, like, wow, wow, wow. Like just something is just come in, my, come in my heart and mind. That even I can go now and share with somebody. I did share with, the, with him, with her. And I says, I'm sorry, but uh, I want to follow, follow Jesus. Because he, I met with him last, yesterday. I had a relationship with him. He became my friend. And... Uh, then her, their reaction was really poor. They really threatened me. They really trying to, like, put me, trying to falsely accuse me. And mm, mm. 
So I had to leave that city because of okay. because of that. I couldn't complete my my degree that I want to do because you I were actually in danger. Yeah, staying there. Yeah, and uh, but I never regret that because mm. I know what I find is more than degree. Mm. <laughs> I find what is more than my career. What I find is more than what I I can ever achieve. So I came and. Uh, start living in the labor camps. Mm. So, so, so for people who don't understand what a labor camp is, because a lot of people don't know this. A mm. lot of people, when they think Dubai or they think Abu Dhabi, they just think buildings, mm -hmm. skyscrapers, money. And yet there's this whole culture of labor camps, which is a lot of the workforce, actually, of, of this nation. Yeah. Tell us, help people understand a little bit, what is labor camps? How does that work? Uh, labor camp is uh, actually like the people who work like a construction worker who are working in the building, like building the building and also taxi driver and the people who are cleaner and waiter. So because they come from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal, Sri Lanka, and uh, even some of the Africa and Philippines. So they came that, uh, that they can uh, make the money for their family. And uh, when they get here, they find uh, work long hours, which is maybe the normal work they work in, in, in their country, their home country. And this is, camp is like a, a kind of a cheap accommodation and uh, living like a common people, like a bachelor, they live in uh, one room, like eight to 10 people. Mm. And uh, they all live like a family, like inside the camp mm. and they, have a common toilet and common kitchen that they can cook the food. The food. We uh, we actually visited a labor camp two nights ago. Yeah. And I think my first impression was uh, I've done a little bit of work in the townships in South Africa as well, and I think it's, it it resembles a lot of that the labor camp. And when Kashif says uh, that there's like six to eight people living in a room, uh, there's yeah there's about six in the room we were in. Yeah, that was a nicer room. Yeah, and there's about six people in that room. And how big would you say that room is? Wide and... Uh, I would say like a three by three probably. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, yeah no, so about six grown men living in a three by three meter yeah. um, really container room. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then corporate toilets, corporate mess halls, uh, eating spaces. I was speaking to two of the young men there, they're 26 years old, mm -hmm. and they just said there is no such thing as fruit and vegetables in their diet. They just yeah. don't get that. Mm -hmm. So these guys are doing like heavy construction work all day. They're building an oil refinery plant, like building like scaffolding and everything for this, and they're not getting fruit and vegetables. And I just felt like it was a really difficult existence for them. It yeah. was a very difficult space. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they definitely deal with different depressions, like different issues, I mean. They deal with the pornographic, they deal with the alcohol, they mm. deal with the, you know, depression, they deal with different kind of loneliness. So that really, loneliness is really hit their heart and mind because whenever there is some festival or, or something like that, like Christmas or like other religions have other like eat, so then it's very for, difficult for them to afford to go and enjoy with their family. Yeah. And I've seen people like cry, they put head hair and cry, like they feel, feel the comfort when you go and, and talk with them.
uh, I was reading with Charles Spurgeon's, uh, you know, letter. That time I was not, but now I can experience that by reading some of the people's book. I was thinking like the, as he says, the ministering and pastoring is not hard work. It's a heart work. Mm. So we need to prepare our heart for, for that and passion. Mm. And it's not just a job or something like a random work. We are working for boss. Mm. want to make him happy. We are working with somebody who are, have authority over the world. So that was, the, that was my like, really encouraging part that as a go. So I came in, a, in 2007. I was baptized. I, you know... Uh, start living in the camp and then this is another chapter begin like see the the brokenness people have in my mind when I came that I can build a career I can do something I can build a future but uh, you know when you fall in love with something then everything is changed mm -hmm. like you don't really care anymore the other things even your anger and uh, can you say that again when you fall in love with something yeah then everything changes everything is changed wow <laughs> Everything has changed, that's the truth. Like, and uh, I, the first few days I hid the labor camp when I arrived here. But then uh, I see in the ground levels, the people in my room was a four different nationality, five, four or five different nationality. And uh, I always uh, mention to my brother and sister in the churches when I preach or when I share my testimony is, that sometimes we go to the mission, <laughs> that we can be missionary. But sometimes mission come to us, yeah. <laughs> that we can share the gospel where we are. And in 2014, I feel I resigned from my job, and I was start doing a different job. And uh, I met my wife, and uh, it was like really uh, incredible story. Like uh, I was not. Uh, thinking and I was not ready for that I will get married and that I was really focused on my work and what I'm doing. And I met uh, uh, my wife in, in 2014, end of 2014, and then in 2015, uh, we have like really, I, the moment I, I see I met after two weeks, I was like, confident with uh, she's going to be my wife and uh, I told her after two weeks that uh, okay, I like you and I want to marry with you and uh, for her was like really like crazy like you cannot tell like this way but but we are really honest people like we just talk straight like mm -mm. you know if we like something we don't like and uh, and that's a really Fun. Then uh, I also share with my one of the close friends, hey, I like this, this girl and you see this building, my future wife live in this building and it was like the person asked me, do you have his, her phone number? I said no. Do you have her email ID? And I said no. Do you have her Facebook? And I said no. And then he said how that can be possible? <laughs> And it was interesting, like my faith was very strong and I know, and I had a confidence. Yeah. And uh, then after six months, we, I proposed and we did, I proposed and she said yes. So we married and we have a beautiful one son and yeah. so that's yeah. incredible. 
but then you're not working in the labor camps anymore. Because as you're sharing the gospel, you're mm. sharing with more and more and more people. Yeah. And this work starts to spread, right? Yeah. Okay, so then tell us, what does that become now? It became a, now actually, we come up with the idea that we have to have some kind of a registered gov, uh, like a organization. And uh, we talk with the churches, local churches here. And then uh, we plan the ministry through the church. And uh, it's called a nomad. Nomad. So nomad is uh, actually a ministry who working in the labor camps. And our vision statement is to be hand and feet of Jesus Christ into the Middle East labor camp. So this is really like a, we are, you know, are nomadic. Like everybody's nomad, like living in a one place for, for six months and then they move. So we see that this immigrant worker come and they live here for six months, one camp, and then they move to another camp. And sometimes even they go to the different Emirates or even the different Middle East country. So they are something like, and, and it's been really great to see that how many people are listening to the gospel and, uh, you know, we were able to start different groups in the different camps and train them on a simple, uh, like a simple way to train people is we want to train people that they can able to train other people mm. and then they can able to train other people. And uh, one of the sad part that I have in missionary talk about, oh, doing mission is a, such a sacrifice things and mission is doing this and that. I don't think so. They really understand the mission. Mm. Mission is a breath to me <laughs> that yeah. I can breathe. That's yeah. the mission. That's like a sharing gospel. And uh, it has to be more than our sacrifice and more than our, our things. It's something like, why you have to sacrifice and then you follow somebody? Why, cannot, why we cannot enjoy the fully relationship with God without grumbling and complaining? Wow. So I'm really enjoying that. Something uh, where, where, where Paul talks about like all these light and momentary afflictions yeah. are nothing compared to what we will inherit in there. Till, you know? in, yeah, that's like he becomes so big that even though it is hard, it's, uh, it's not something to complain about because yeah. he is greater. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's absolutely true. And then, um, so when you go from, from there and see these people give life to Jesus here and go back, so the idea that we can train people, that they can go and train other people, and then those people can go and train other people. And also they have accountability with each other, disciple them, and, uh, and, and share the gospel with other people. Mm. Person, there is a lot of... Uh, Great conversion happened. But one guy, uh, his uh, hand has some kind of disease, and doctor couldn't figure figure out the skin is falling apart, and he was not a Christian. He come from a Singh family, which is the where the turban has big beard. So he started coming to our, our group, and uh, uh, he couldn't like, you know, think anything like he can, you know, doctor can find out cure. Mm. So he started coming and uh, he come first day and he couldn't he get healing. So he went back. Then he come back again. Four weeks he had been coming and I asked him, why are you coming? Like, and he says, uh, my hand is still there, but I feel peace in my heart. So that's why I come. I said, good. After six months, his, uh, after six weeks, his hand start healing. So his hand and his all arm is healed. It's it's like healed, like like a natural skin, like wow. all is healed. And now this guy came and he says, "I wanna make a relationship with Jesus." And uh, he make a relationship with Jesus, and he starts sharing his testimony. He raises his hand and his testimony. This is my hand was damaged, and he make a right. 
But then when he was giving testimony, he shared something. And I had an interview, like I was talking to him. Uh, and I asked him, Nirmal, why is you, you know, why you accept Jesus? It's because your hand is healed. And he said, I want to tell you, before he healed my hand, he healed my heart. Come on. So <laughs> that's, good. That's the things that Jesus done is heal his heart. Wow. So I before see Before he healed my hand, <laughs> he healed, healed my heart. heart. Oh, so so he healed his heart. So that's the things you see that. And then he shared the gospel with his family. And I never seen anyone who come through nomad and accept Jesus and just quiet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he just go and, and talk. And I have a several story who yeah, go so to India. <laughs> India and and, and, and you, you're seeing so many people mm-hmm. who are making choosing a relationship with Jesus here and then going back into their nations. Yeah. Unreached places. We're talking Pakistan, we're talking Nepal, all these places. Yeah. And they're actually planting churches yeah. because of what they've learned in the labor camps in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that's, and, uh, and one of my pastor friends, he told me from Nepal, he says, actually, I want to encourage you and I want you to continue to share the gospel. As we are pastor in Nepal, we discover something that the more people giving life to Jesus in Middle East than Amazing. in Nepal. Amazing. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> because of, the, because of the, the gospel. So good. And, and, so, and, and so how long has Nomads been an organization? It's been uh, now like three years officially. Yeah. But we, I have been doing ministry for a long time, like mm-hmm. since I, I came, it's been 10 years I, wow. I have been in the field and continues taking, taking the gospel and sharing. And you also do relief work, you do yeah. food and feeding, because some of these guys, like you're saying, there was that one camp where the company that employed them went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And so for like eight months, they just didn't get paid. Yeah, and they were so just abandoned in the labor camp. Yeah, it was like more than two, like 10 months. And this is like the owner is, Excuse me, on his runaway, and uh, he was out of the country. He couldn't help actually. So then, as a church, we go and we help. Yeah. And that story inspired me. One day, I was reading uh, my Bible, and I was just uh, read uh, that uh, what is the church treasure actually? And I read a story. Is it two fifty A.D. like a long time ago? The story was one guy. His name. Lawrence, he was a deacon in the church in Roman, because gospel has so much power, it's changed nation, family, people, heart, all religion even. Yes. So the revival taking place in the Europe in, in Rome, and a lot of Rome people coming to know Lord. And there was a Roman government and Laverian was not happy. So they go to the big church and they gather all of the pastors. Some of them they killed, execute them, but one guy they ask, who is the treasure guy? They say, is Lawrence, Deacon Lawrence. So they take him and say, you can live your life, but tell us where all the church treasure is. So he says, I need a three days to gather all of the treasures. So he took a three days, and where church actually was spending the money is poor, desperate, broken, blind, widow, orphanage. So he gathered all of the people in one place. And then the, after three days, the, the military come, the Liberian government come, and they say, oh, where is the treasure? And he opened the door. All these and people says, are here. Wow. These are the church treasure. Wow. And this is, the government says, because you cheated with us, you lied with us, we're going to give you terrible death. And he says, I don't care, because I know where I'm going. Mm. And they put him into the 
you know, the grill, like in the fire, mm. and they burn him on the grill. And uh, you see something like the church treasure is really, it's the people, mm. it's not the money. Mm. And uh, there's nothing, anything in the world can satisfy. And I know people are really struggling with a lot of things, like, but I think uh, only our heart can satisfy Jesus. There's no one else can satisfy us. So went and talked with these people. Uh, when Once we done this, like people was going home and uh, the Muslim friends, Hindu friends, the people who never heard about Jesus, they come to me and he say, well, uh, 21 of them actually make a relationship with Jesus. 21? Yeah. After serving that, it was like 800 people. So when you do that, it's a really impact people. Yes. And it's a gospel. Yes. Like uh, one of the teachers says, uh, like uh, I can preach something. He says, I can preach better. You can preach better than me, but you cannot preach better gospel than me. The gospel is the gospel. Yeah. You preach, I preach. Even the young man preach or the person who, any anyone preaches, the gospel is the gospel. So when these people make a relationship with Jesus, in the end of the day, they says, one thing we will remember. We will not remember our Campville trap or something has happened and we waste our 18, eight months of our life or we was in struggle. But what we remember is that we was broken and somebody come to us. We was hopeless and somebody come to us. And we was uh, like, we don't have a food and somebody come to us. We don't have a cloth and somebody give us a cloth. We don't have a medicine and somebody come and, and buy medicine for us. And we will remember that, that Jesus people will come. Jesus people had come and they help us. They help us with, help us with that. And we will remember you are Isa all of our life. Isa is being Jesus. So that's something he done a natural work in our heart. And I think every Christians need to decide, need to make a decision today is that, well, I'm going to miss around our time, my time, which is precious life. I'm going to waste my life. I'm really going to take adventure and be happy and go and, and talk with people. One of the sad part is like uh, in a hundred Christians, out of 110 people have ever somebody else lead to follow Jesus, which means 90% of us is are hidden, silent, underground, and just mute Christians. And God did not want us to be. God want us to be light of this world. God want us to be the salt of this world. But if we are a salt of this world, we need to get out from the salt shaker, you know. It has inside the shaker, we need to get out and just to pour out for our family and friends and people we love. How astonishing would be like the day we stand before God and our friend is other side of the hell and he say, oh, you didn't tell me. You say you love me. You didn't tell me. How difficult would be that? Mm. But then we didn't, we could not, we maybe will not have a chance to preach there. And I want to just encourage yes. that. Kashif, thank you for being on follow, my friend. Yeah, yeah. You've encouraged yeah. us so much. And thank your you. story is such, such an encouragement to me. Yeah, thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Guys, uh, don't waste your life. Do the things, man. Follow Jesus. Be the light. Be the salt. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with everybody. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, we will see you in the next episode of the Follower Podcast.